land of Israel, you know that there are Shabbat observers, not many, but a few over there. And so when you get on the elevator in Israel, you, if you're a Shabbat observer and it's Shabbat, the good thing is you don't have to press the button, amen? Uh, they have certain floors that it stops at so you don't have to do any manual labor on Shabbat. But anyway, uh, I, I thought, I wonder how you get in the room. I, like, I almost got off on the Shabbat floor and followed one of them to see if they... I don't know, I don't reckon taking your key out and turning it's work, but anyway, uh, but uh, anyway, it's all good, right? Well, it's good to be here. I sure love your pastor, and thank you, Brother Pope, for the opportunity to be able to preach, and uh, he and I have just really got acquainted in the last few years, and, and it's just always good to be. This is an exciting place to be. I've never been to Calvary, and I think it's my third time now to preach. I've never been to Calvary that I didn't feel like I'd been to church, amen? And, uh, and so I just, I enjoy being around God's people, I enjoy... I enjoy being around people that love the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a little country church. Uh, my wife, uh, last our theme at our ladies' meeting uh, is a place at the table. And so when we were working, they were working through the theme with her thematic team. Uh, she got to tell the story of her youth pastor's wife. And uh, grew up, she and I both grew up in small country churches, about 30, 40 people on a good Sunday. And um, didn't never had a never I never had a full time pastor. All my pastors were bivocational, and uh, hers as well. And but she, they had a couple in their church that took interest in the teenagers, and and uh, they gave my wife the first opportunity she ever had to speak. She's a great speaker. I promise you, she's a better preacher than I am. But anyway, um, and she's preached more sermons than I have because she gets me sometimes throughout the week. And uh, and uh, so, uh, but but anyway, and. Uh, and, and so we, we flew her in and introduced her to our people last night and thanked her for giving our wife a place at the table and uh, just so, so blessed and uh, God's so good. I, I am just excited that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for staying through this thing. I know it's been a long day, okay? I understand that. And he said I was supposed to be through before 7.30 and I will be. I've enjoyed these other preachers, Brother Seisloff. I think I'd change my name, Brother. I mean, you know, (laughs) try Jones or Smith or something. Seisloff. I bet you can't say that four times fast. I bet you that, huh? And, uh, but what a blessing. I, I told Brother Seth, I said, I got so many notes. I filled out 17 pages of notes, and I think I missed three statements. And, uh, you know, it's just all good. And then, and then Brother Tool. Of course, Brother Tool uh, is from the great state of Alabama. <laughs> and after Brother Morrison made fun of it, you, you, you heard about Brother Morrison. Did you hear about just a few years ago in Alabama, they sold out of all ammo? Sold out Walmart. Everybody, out of ammo. Guy was trying to get some ammo. Couldn't find any ammo rounds. And uh, he went to the store and he said, hey, you got some ammo? They said, no, we don't have any ammo. He said, he said I can't find ammo anyway. He said, hadn't you heard? He said, Russia's invaded Georgia and we're going to defend ourselves. <laughs> Maybe wrong Georgia, but anyway, you know. But it's... And then he talked about West Virginia. You know, the good thing about West Virginia you can, you can get divorced and still be brother and sister. And uh, so, you know. But we probably shouldn't talk in North Carolina. You do know it's legal in our state to marry your first cousin. Strange. But anyway, 
Roto and I are both Alabama Roll Tide fans, and we won today, so we're in a good spirit. Amen. My wife, when we first got married, she said, I used to hate Saturdays. I said, hate Saturdays? Why don't you hate Saturdays? She said, if Alabama lost, you were sad the rest of the day. I said, I was really that bad? She said, you were that bad. I said, well, thank God I matured out of it last year. And, um, and so... And then Brother Barker, it's been good. So I, anyway, I need to preach, right? I know preachers are over there thinking, we've been on time all day, and look, Brother Raymond's going to put us late, right? Well, take your Bible and turn anywhere. There's not a bad page in it. Amen. <laughs> Go to the book of Philippians, if you will, please. The book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number three, and I pray the Lord will use his word in our lives this, this evening as we close out this meeting, and I promise you I'm going to do my best Close it out on time. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're in Philippians chapter 3. When I was a 17-year-old preacher boy, a bunch of pastors in Alabama brought me uh, to North Carolina. I went to a meeting in Kinston, North Carolina. First time I ever had an Eastern North Carolina barbecue was that meeting. And uh, since then, I've, I've consumed thousands of pounds of it. But, uh, but, but I heard in that meeting, I heard Dr. Tom Malone Sr., Dr. B.R. Lakin preach. I had no idea who those men were. I was a 17-year-old preacher. I started preaching when I was 15. And, and uh, matter of fact, the first day of that meeting, Monday at lunch, we went to the restaurant and Dr. Lakin and Dr. Malone came in the restaurant and one of the preachers I was with happened to know the preacher that they were with in North Carolina and I ate lunch with B.R. Lakin and Tom Malone Sr. If I knew then what I know now, I'd have got down on my knees and I'd have polished those men's shoes while they ate, but I didn't. But Dr. Lakin made a statement that helped me in that, in that, in that conference as a young man he said, don't be afraid of the familiar text. And, uh, and you know, sometimes you're a young preacher, you're kind of a little afraid to go to one of those texts where everybody knows it already. So when I announce what verses we're going at, some of you are going to think, I already know everything there is to know about this. You never know. God might teach you something new today. Right. Huh? It won't be new as far as truth. It'll be new as far as revelation to you, understanding for you, understanding for me. So we're in chapter 3. You found that. We're in verse 12. Verse 12. Paul said, Not as though I'd already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Would you read verse 14 out loud together with me? You ready? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Father, help us these few moments as we close out this very, very important day in our lives. Lord, help us to not just hear today, but help us to do those things that you've talked to us about and you've spoken to us. In this last hour, I pray you'll take your word and drive it home to our hearts. And we'll thank you and praise you for we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. If you're familiar with the Apostle Paul at all, you know that he used very familiar uh, events in his day to teach spiritual truth. Uh, He used uh, words of of, uh, architecture like Christ is the chief cornerstone and we're the building of God. He he used uh, words like like army words, fight the good fight of faith, uh, put on the whole armor of God. Uh, He used accounting terms right here in this chapter. He said those things that I counted gain for me were but loss for Christ. And what he's doing here is he's using an athletic illustration. He is defining for us a long-distance run. Now, 
Any runners in the house? All right, anybody? You're a runner. You're a runner. It's all right. You ain't got to be ashamed if you're a runner. My son's a runner. My second son, uh, one, 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 uh, one point, four days, he ran a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon. That's 48.2 miles he ran in four days. I run. You probably can't tell it by looking at me, but I do. Every once in a while, I run the refrigerator. <laughs> out soul winning, the dog gets at me, I outrun him. You know, that's the reason I take older people with me door knocking. I don't have to be the fastest person. <laughs> so, Paul's using running terms. And he's talking about the long distance run. He's talking about what you and I would call the marathon. The 26.2 gruesome miles of running. And he's not talking here about the work of salvation in our heart. He's talking here about the work of sanctification. See, salvation is a work of grace. None of us, none of us are in the race this afternoon because we deserve it. We're all in the grace, all in the race because of grace. And he's not talking about a work of grace. He's talking about a will to grow here. He's talking about that work of sanctification in our life, which is a work of God from the moment we trust Him to the moment we stand in His presence and see Him face to face. And so in light of that, He uses this terminology that we read together a moment ago in verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And in those days, what we would call Olympics in our days... You, you, you had to be a citizen of the country you're representing. And, and, and in this race of grace, you have to be a citizen of grace, and that comes through salvation. But every one of us are given an individual lane to run in. You know, one of the, one of the problems we have, Pastor Pope, is uh, especially us preachers. I know us better than I do other people. Uh, we, we, we get concerned about other people's race. Uh, you, God didn't give me your race and God didn't give you my race. And if we'd stay in our lane, we'd do a lot better. <laughs> a matter of fact, I'll tell you what we do a lot of. And I need to get to preaching here. But I'll tell you what we do a lot of. We, we do a lot of looking and seeing if your race is as tough as my race. Well, no, we're, we're in a lane. You, you've seen those eight lanes and that big track. We're in a, we're in a lane, and we're, we're given that lane, and we're supposed to run that lane. And, and the truth is, God doesn't reward the first. If God rewarded the first, you know what? We're all out of luck. Millions of Christians have finished the race before I ever even got the race. The, the, the reward of God doesn't go to those who finish first. The reward of God goes to those who finish faithful. That, that's the difference. And, and so I'm not in competition with you. You're not in competition with me. And preacher, I'm telling you, and I know we don't need to focus on preachers because a lot more other people here than are preachers, but listen to me. Don't, don't be thinking, if I ain't doing as good as he's doing, I ain't doing what God wants me to do. Hey, listen to me. God didn't give me your church to pastor, and God didn't give my church to you to pastor either. God didn't give you my race, and I didn't, God didn't give me your race. So, so how, how, did, how did Paul, what were, the, what were the essential things that made Paul with this determination to finish the race, to press toward the mark? I'll give you three thoughts quickly. Number one, he said, realize the facts. Realize the facts. What are the facts? 
Look at the fact number one, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Fact number one is I have not made it. Guess what? You hadn't either. I mean, if there's anybody we would think of the New Testament who we would think had made it, it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, he wrote almost half of the New Testament. He planted churches on, on, on two different continents. He was madly used of God. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, not as though I've already attained. That word attained means to arrive at a goal. Neither were already perfect. That word perfect means mature. You, you know what the true mark of a maturing Christian is? He or she doesn't think that they've already matured. A maturing Christian is a Christian who realizes that apart from God at work in my life, I could never attain. Don't become complacent. Do not become content. He said, not as though I'd already attained or already perfect. But, but notice that next phrase there in verse 12. But I follow after. Now that's an interesting word. The word follow after has been already translated from the Greek language in this same chapter, Philippians chapter 3, the same root word. I want you to see it. Go back up, if you will, to verse 6. Verse 6, he says, concerning zeal, what's that next word? Persecuting. Persecuting. The same root word that's translated persecuting in verse 6 is translated follow after in verse 12. You know what Paul's saying when he says, I follow after? He says, you know what? The same passion I had to stamp out Christianity, I now have that passion to spread Christianity. The same fervor I had to hate Christ, I have that same burning to love Christ. He said, I follow after. Look at it. If that I may apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended. Is it Elijah? Is it Elijah? Come here, Betty. Would you... Please, please, please. All right, come, come up here, Elijah. All right, he said, if I may apprehend. You know what apprehend means? It means to grab hold of, okay? So he said, if I may apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended, all right? So in this illustration, Elijah, I think it'll work best if I'm Jesus, okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One of us had to be, and your dad said you couldn't. I don't know why he told me that, but anyway. All right, so, so, so you're Paul and I'm Jesus, okay? You got it? Yes. Okay, so Paul said, I grabbed hold of. No, no, please. Please don't tenderly hold me. <laughs> grab me, boy, grab me, grab me. There you go. He said, I apprehended like I, keep holding on, like I got a hold of, like I was gotten a hold of. You know what? He said, I, I grabbed hold of Jesus like Jesus grabbed hold of me. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but the grip Jesus has got on me, it's a firm grip, huh? It's a forever grip, huh? Come on now. He, he said, I grabbed hold of him like he grabbed hold of me. So, so what, what are the facts? The fact is, he said, I've never arrived. And the fact is, he said, I'm still holding on. Thank you, Elijah. I appreciate that. So number one, if you and I are going to press toward the mark, we have to realize the facts. Number two, we got to recognize 
the focus. Look at, look at verse 13. Well, isn't it interesting? <laughs> this is interesting. We don't have the time to spend on it, but look at verse 13. I start off. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have. What is that next word? Ain't that amazing? He said, he said, he just told us in verse 12, I apprehend that for which I'm apprehended. But he said, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended yet. He said, I don't count myself to have grabbed hold of Jesus like Jesus grabbed hold of me. So, so, so number one, realize the facts. Number two, recognize the focus. Look at that next phrase that we're in. Verse 12, he said, this one thing I do. Do you know that a long-distance runner isn't also going to be competing in gymnastics? Did you, did you know that a long-distance runner is not going to be swimming? You know what he does? This one thing I do. We just went through Fire Prevention Week. You may or may have not known that. I grew up in a firefighter's home. We just went through Fire Prevention Week back in October. Why do we have Fire Prevention Week in America? We have it because in 1871 there was a fire in Chicago. We swept through the city according to who you hear and who you listen to, how it happened. You know, a cow kicked over a bucket. I don't know really how it happened when you get to reading it. But, but it happened after D.L. Moody had preached on a Sunday. And after he preached, don't, don't crucify Moody. This was pretty normal practice. He didn't give an inquiry room that night. That's how they led people to Christ. You went back to an inquiry room. And Moody said that because of that, some of the people that were in the service that night unsaved were killed in the great Chicago fire of 1871. And so Moody, first preacher's biography I ever read was the life of D.L. Moody written by his son. I was 15 when I read that. And Moody said in that biography, his son quoted his father. And he said, you know, he'd always been involved in YMCA and evangelistic efforts and many other activities, Sunday school. But Moody made this statement that after that great fire, he would focus the rest of his life on evangelistic preaching. And he said the reason why, he said it is better to say this one thing I do than to say these 40 things I dabble in. See, you and I need to understand there's a focus. That, that focus is Jesus. I love the way the writer of Hebrews says it, chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, seated down at the right hand of God on high. How do you keep your focus? There's two things you have to do. Number one, he says you have to forget those things which are behind. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean, then I'll tell you what that does mean. That doesn't mean you blank your memory from everything that's ever happened. You can't do that. Now, if you could, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful right now this afternoon I'd say, I'm never going to remember whatever it was that I've done or be ashamed to tell you that I did it. So, so it's not, it's not mean to blank your memory. 
You remember the illustration? The illustration is a running illustration. And, and the runners have this. They, they, a good runner practices forgetting. What does it mean? It means not to be held under the power of. So what Paul is saying is, I'm not held under the power of those things which are behind me. Do you understand this afternoon? You can't do anything about yesterday. You have no ability to change yesterday. I have no ability to change yesterday. Listen, I think about the people who struggle with their past sins. Your sins may be great. My sins may be greater. Who knows? We're not here to compare sins. But listen, if you confess those sins to God, trusted Christ as your Savior, as the old, as the old children's song says, they're gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God, my sins are G-O-N-E. Don't let yesterday's sins hold you back. I'll tell you what to forget. Forget your past sorrows. I've been hurt, you've been hurt. I'm telling you, when Brother Barker started, I got so depressed in the beginning of his message that I almost laid down on the floor. I'm talking, I think I fit every one of them statistics he's talking about. Hey, listen, everybody's been hurt. You've been hurt, I've been hurt, all God's people have been hurt. If you've never been hurt by somebody else in church, welcome to your first Sunday. You know? And you got here early. You got here on Saturday. So we'll hurt your feelings before you get out the door. <laughs> you you got to forget your past sorrows. Let, let me give you one more because I need to know, I know the time. You got to forget your past successes. You, Yesterday's victories will not suffice for today's battles. Whatever, whatever it was, thank God for what he did. I, I'm not, you, I, I tell you, I get nervous, Brother Pope. I go into church like your church, and I'm not picking on your church. Nobody's done it here. But, but I go into a church sometimes to preach, and, 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 and when somebody wants to talk to me about what they used to do, Oh, preacher, and I used to run a bus route. Preacher, I used to be a Sunday school teacher. And listen, if you're too old to do all that stuff, I'm not, I'm not here to throw stones at you. I'm 64 now and realize I can't do everything I used to could do, or I still think I can, but anyway, it takes me longer to get it done. But listen to me. Life's not about what happened yesterday. Life's about what's happening today and what's going to happen tomorrow if Jesus tarries. He said, he said, if you're going to recognize the focus, you've got, to, you've got to forget those things which are behind. And notice the rest of that formula there in verse number 13. Pressing, um, I'm sorry, reaching forth unto those things which are before. You know what a runner does? He or she only thinks about what's ahead. They're running They're running, they're running, they're running. Reaching forth. So number one, realize the facts. Number two, recognize the focus. And then one last thought and I'm through. Remember the finish. Look at what he says in verse 14. I press toward the mark. You know what the mark is? The mark's the finish line. The mark's what the apostle Paul had his mind on as 
He wrote that last epistle under inspiration of God's spirit. And he writes there in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. He says, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. How many people do you and I know this afternoon that when, when, they came out of the, when they came out of the starting blocks on the race, I mean, they were pumped and primed. But somewhere along the road, they got wounded, they got hurt, got tripped, they fell, and they quit. They quit. You know why? Because they didn't remember that they weren't at the finish line yet. They quit. They got their eyes off the goal. They forgot about the finish line. I really believe that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when there in Hebrews 12 too, I quoted a few moments ago. Look into Jesus. He's the finish line. I'm not in this, I'm not in this race for Brother Pope or Brother Tool or any of these other preachers. Or I'm not in the, I'm not in the finish line. I'm not in this race for you. I'm, I'm, I'm not in, the, in this race for my, my wife and family, though I love them very dearly. I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the race for the one who saved me by his grace. I love the story of John Stephen Aquari. Aquari was sent by the country of Tanzania to compete in the 1968 Olympics, Mexico City. Aquari was a long-distance marathon runner, 26.2 miles. If you know anything about that race, they, they start in the main stadium. Then they go out through the countryside, and they come in and finish the race up inside that main stadium again. Somewhere along the process, I think it's about mile number 11, Aquari was injured. He tripped, fell, injured himself. And, of course, the medics came to him, and, and the little ambulance came up. And, 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 and John Stephen Aquari realized that what they were about to do was to load him in the ambulance and take him to the clinic. And he told them, no, no. They said, Mr. Aquari, you're, you're injured. You, you need a little more medical attention. He said, just bandage it up. So they bandaged it up. John Stephen Aquari finished those last, I think, about 15 miles. He staggered into Olympic Stadium in Mexico City three and a half hours after the last runner before him had crossed the finish line. He staggered in there. He got on the inside. There were other track and field events going on. He got on the inside of the track, and he finished the last lap. When he crossed the finish line, ABC Wild World of Sports, some of you will remember them. They, they were, one of their reporters was there and, and walked up to him and said, Mr. Aquire, do, do, do you not realize that everybody else finished this race over three hours ago? Why, why, did you, why did you come in here now? I love, I love his attitude. He said, talking of the country of Tanzania, my country did not send me to run the race. My country sent me to finish the race. <laughs> Jesus didn't save me to run the race. Jesus saved me to finish the race. So he says, I press toward the mark. But not only a mark, there's a medal. Look at it. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, what in the world is he talking about? In those days, at the games, many of them held in stadiums size and larger of our great football stadiums in our country. 100,000 plus people could be in those stadiums. And when the game was being conducted, the Caesar would be sitting up in what you and I would call a skybox. 
he'd be sitting up at the top. And when the race was completed, Caesar would look over at one of his attendants and would say to the attendants, I want you to go down and let Tim know he's been called up. So that attendant would come down. Let's just suppose it's me. That attendant would come down and said, uh, Tim, you've been called up. Well, being a good Roman citizen, I knew what that meant. That means I've been called into the presence of the Caesar. So, so the attendant and I would ascend the stairs. When I got in the presence of the attendant uh, of the Caesar, or when a Christian, I'd kneel down in front of him. He'd place that laurel wreath, that Stephanos crown, that green laurel wreath on my head and would declare that I had won the race. Well, that's what Paul is using here. He's saying, I'm pressing toward the mark, the finish, but I'm pressing toward the medal, the high calling of God. Because you know what's going to happen one day? I don't know when, and I don't know where. One day, the Lord Jesus is going to look over at one of his attending angels. He said, uh, it's time to call Tim up. And that angel's going to come down, tap me on the shoulder, and say, Tim, you've been called up. Amen. And we're going up a heavenly stairwell. I'm going to come in the presence of Jesus. When I do, I'll follow my face before him. Because apart from him, I'm not in the race. And if he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and places that wreath on my head, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that wreath off, lay it at his feet. Because he's the only reason I even got a place in the race. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know where. But I do know this. I want to finish faithful. Would you bow your head with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. and Maybe you just want to close this day out around the altar. And just say unto the Lord this afternoon, Lord, I want to finish faithful. I just want to finish faithful, Lord. Pianist begins to play. God spoke in our hearts. Would you just stand with me quietly and reverently? You say, Pastor Raven, that's what I want to do. I want to finish faithful. Why don't you just slip from your place and find you a place of prayer? Pastor, pastors, wives, laymen, laywomen, teenagers. I just want to finish faithful. I don't know when I'm going to finish, I don't know where it'll happen. When it happens, I want to be faithful. I'll be faithful. God spoke in our hearts. Let's respond to Him. Let's say to Him, You say, I can't kneel. That's all right. Come find you a place on the front row and have a seat or sit there where you're at. That's all right with me. It doesn't matter. Just say to the Lord this afternoon, Lord, I just want to finish faithful. I want to realize the fact I hadn't made it, I hadn't arrived. 
want to keep that focus. Forgetting those things are behind and reaching forth those things are for. I want to remember that finish. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you this afternoon. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that takes your word and makes application in our own lives. Lord, I pray again this afternoon. Lord, I've prayed it so many times. I want to finish faithful, Lord. I don't want to be a reproach on you and ashamed of your name. I want to hit the tape running, Lord. Help us, Lord. Whatever these folks are dealing with in individually in their own heart, Father, would you just meet them right where they're at?